Hi guys, and welcome to another edition of the Friday Wrap on this day, the first Friday of October. Um, coming back on as co-host, we've got Michael Tran. How are you, mate? Good morning, Ben. I'm well, mate. Refreshed from my trip and uh, ready to hit back on the road and get back into the nice. finance news. I was hoping you're going to tell me that you had a really shit holiday. Back <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was tempted to say that, you know, I didn't want to bring a tear to your eye, but unfortunately it was a fantastic trip. <laughs> I can't lie about yeah. that. But, uh, Excellent. Yeah. No, it, must be, it must be good to be, you know, traveling around um, and seeing the sights and obviously, of course, it's uh, stopping by country. You went in the country, didn't you? Or? Yeah, I went to the absolute outback. Like I went to the border of New South Wales and South Australia. Like that that's pretty how far outback that I went. But uh, I'll tell you what, I was traveling out there mm. and I brought the average age right down because there were nothing but grey nomads out that direction, right? Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've gained fifteen years of wisdom just coming back from this trip. So well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, hopefully we uh, hopefully we can impart some wisdom after this podcast. How's that? Yeah, that's absolutely let's do it. Now, um, obviously, that last week was a pretty massive week in terms of news. Uh, now that you're back, how, how's this week panning out? What, what do you see? What's, what's happening? Look, I think this week it's all eyes on the federal budget for next week, right? Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a really big thing that we're all looking forward to uh, because it's going to dictate a lot of things and how we sort of plan our roadmap to what's back in the black, you know, previously. But in saying that, we've had a lot of uh, Easter eggs from the federal government on what potentially it may look like. And I, I don't know if you saw the snippet of their campaign, but I heard Australian jobs at least 50 times, right? It's all mm-hmm. about Australian jobs. Well, and it they, has to be because we're, we're in a pandemic. So Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and as, as narrow as they try to pinpoint it on Australian jobs, you sit there and you realize there are so many factors that go into Australian jobs. So it's quite broad. It's a bit paradoxical in that sense. But coming back to a few of those Easter eggs, I know like Josh Frydenberg came out and said, look, the budget deficit is going to look about 80, uh, $85.3 billion, uh, which equivalents to about 4.3% of GDP. So that's what they think it's going to be. Mm. Now, that's mm. about half a billion better than what he originally forecasted. But to put in perspective of how, how much of a budget deficit this is, Kevin Rudd, during the GFC, our budget deficit was $54.5 billion. That's almost $31 billion more than what it was during the GFC. <laughs> so there's a lot of stimulus and a lot of debt, we know that. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll be interested to see what the actual budget deficit will land on uh, once mm-hmm. they roll out that federal budget. The other, thing that, yeah, the other thing that we saw come out, which was quite pleasing, is ScoMo's $1.5 billion pledge to turbocharge the Australian's, uh, sorry, Australia's manufacturing sector. Mm-hmm. Now, he's listed about six sectors where it will be stimulated, you know, a lot of it through tax uh, relief and some through direct stimulus. So it's great to see that he's going to stimulate the manufacturing in Australia again, or at least incentivize it within a What he's trying to. Yeah. Well, this, this is always interesting, isn't it? Because what we've seen over the years is that um, people were, well, businesses, businesses mm-hmm. um, or, or owners of businesses were offshoring a lot of these things. Yeah. And then now, now because of the pandemic, it's all of a sudden, we need these industries in our in, in the country. We we can't Absolutely. you know rely rely on overseas businesses to actually produce these these primary goods. So yeah, um, yeah, we're really bringing back that label, you know, made in Australia. Yeah, the big old. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the biggest test though will be what will happen after the, the pandemic. Uh, you know, mm. are we are these lessons going to be learned, and then these manufacturing jobs and, and industries going to be more you know continue to be supported here, or are the owners? And I'm saying owners here because everyone's trying they they all try to you know cut costs and, and increase Absolutely. profits, right? 
Yep. Are they going to do the same thing, which is offshore and overseas, going to get you know a, a, a high profit margin? So, yeah, well, look, it's, it's an interesting point, right? Because as much as we well, business owners look to minimise their costs and offshore a few things, a lot of the, mm. the nations over there are having their own sort of pressures to deal with at the moment as well. Mm. Except around the COVID pandemic, like you look towards Brazil and all that they're nowhere near contained in that aspect uh to really take on a lot of the work you know that might be offshore from from other nations because they mm. simply don't have the work staff uh, mm-hmm. to support that so it'll be quite interesting if they do do that i think it's going to be a further down the track rather than the initial beginning which is why i think this program may be worthwhile absolutely uh, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that that really stuck out to me which i think is such a great thing is this new uh, lifeline or new reforms to the insolvency laws. Mm-hmm. Now, the, during the COVID pandemic, we saw some sort of temporary relief where we said, look, we'll, we'll leave out some of the insolvency laws up until March. For creditors, you, you know, you can't go after um, uh, your debts just yet. You know, there, there's certain alleviations in place. But now, post-March, what the Treasurer or the Federal Government wants to do is actually incorporate um, almost like a debt restructuring process for businesses that have under a million dollars of debt, right? The idea is get in now, fix the businesses, even though some businesses may be considered zombie firms, you know, potentially they're not floating as the way there is right now. But if we can get someone in there mm. to restructure the debt the way there is now, we can continue to keep the jobs. And it also allows a 15 day uh, vote plan from creditors to see if this business plan is feasible for them as well. Yeah, and it cuts, cuts, yeah, it cuts a lot of red tape out of the insolvency sector, which delays a lot of time as well. So I think this is a positive step uh, in the right direction for SMEs. As you know, I'm really passionate about SMEs. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as much as the good news sort of rolls out in the East Ex, there is one point that I have to criticise or bring up. Well, I guess we, oh, we should have we should have started with the, the bad news first, but that's okay. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just food for thought for your listeners yeah. and viewers out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the federal government did come out and say, look, this, this job keeper or, or the government stimulus, we're thinking about pulling it out once the unemployment rate reaches below six percent. Mm-hmm. Right? Right now, it's sitting about six point eight percent. What does that mean? That, that roughly equivalent to about 920,000 people that are still unemployed. Mm-hmm. At 6%, you're talking about 800,000 people that are still unemployed. So it's not really much of an impact before you start pulling out government stimulus. So the risk there is if, if something happens and we pull out the stimulus too early, we may potentially see a double dip recession. You know, and that's what a lot of economists are arguing at the moment, that the, mm. the government stimulus should stay in much longer until unemployment goes much further below south than 6%. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's just something that I'll throw out there. Maybe it might be a tackle in the federal budget. Well, I just have to see next week. We'll have to see next week. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, yep. Go uh, on. No, 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 you go. There, there is, there is, you know, one, one topic that did sort of permeate the market this week, which I think rounds up a lot, a lot of topics in the news articles. It's, it's in relation to the inflation targets set by the RBA. Now, you and I both know, you know, if inflation targets don't reach, the cash rate is going to stay low for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And what the RBA have said is that they are unlikely to achieve the inflation target for at least half a decade, five years. Mm. So, you know, you've got five years there predicting of prolonged low, low interest rates, you know, mm-hmm. and you're seeing a lot of uh, stimulation in the home market sector. You know, you've seen... <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Mm. You've seen, you know, last week we saw, you know, potentially about relaxing of responsible lending laws. You know, we still don't know what that looks like, but, you know, that's one step further into mm-hmm. projecting more credit into the market. Mm-hmm. We've seen property prices increase as well. Um, we, right. Well, in, in your folks, yes. Um, yes. And obviously, we've had seen obviously two major banks predict the the increase. I think it's around about sixteen percent. 
Yes, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is different from what our last conversation we put in up on holiday. Um, you know, when we were saying that CBA was predicting up to a 29% decrease. That's right. So, that's right, yeah, in the worst case scenario. Now now everyone's sort of seeing the light and seeing things coming a lot better. And mm. one of the few things that they've relied upon is, I guess, the home loan deferral payments, uh, particularly with CBA, they've seen that decline down quite considerably, um, mm. as well as in the SME loan sector as well. But gosh, this week, CBA, uh, you know, slashing their home loan rates. I'm, I'm sure, you know, your listening viewers are all over that, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with the home loan rates. And we've seen Macquarie jump up as number five in the home loan market. Well, that was always uh, the the plan uh, for the last two years or so, uh, or sorry, or even longer, was that they were going to be a, you know, a tier one bank. They didn't want to be um, known as a, a smaller bank, but you know, on par with, with the big four. So, uh, well done. And obviously, you know, the, you can sort of see within the, the, the forum itself, you know, the turnaround times are there. The the BDM's uh, service is there. The uh, uh, you know the and and, and the support, I suppose, um, which is kind of funny because you, you look at someone like an ANZ and you know they they are massive, um, but yet they've been plagued with issues for, for the majority of the time that we've been in lockdown. Oh, absolutely! You see it all over finance and coffee. I'll be honest with you, <laughs> mm. a lot of feedback there. But you know, it, it is great to see that Macquarie has stepped up in the ranks there because I've heard mm-hmm. nothing but great news about Macquarie in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but speaking about the particular cash rate, you know, as we said, RBO said they're probably not going to increase it anytime soon. Well, there is some speculation from other banks, particularly Bill Evans from Westpac, which I've mentioned before. Yeah, I hold him. Sometimes I think he has an eight ball. I don't know how he sees these things, but he's predicting. Well, that, that's why he's paid a lot to do it. Yeah, <laughs> he's been yeah, in the game for a while, but he's, he's predicting uh-huh. that, that we may potentially see another rate cut potentially in November. Mm-hmm. Why not October? Because we need to absorb the information from the federal budget. Mm. And if numbers still don't go the way they need to in November, he's predicting potentially another 10 or 15 basis points cut mm-hmm. to the cash rate. Um, and if that continues or whether that's passed on through other banks, you know, again, coupled with all the things that we're talking about, we may see a surge in investment activity back into the property market and gear up again. Well, well, it is interesting there as well, isn't it? Because we've, we've got a, I mean, obviously the, the government's trying to do everything to stimulate the economy um, with news of the potential rate cuts going down. Um, are we seeing another bubble or are the government trying to prop the property market up? Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah if anything, it feels like the property market is on its way to be probably more geared than what it was before, but that's probably the hanging mm. factor that's going to really yep. stimulate the economy because we're such a we're trying economy. to yeah yeah, yeah. i mean look, i i see it as two ways like if, if you have a property if you if you still get a job and we still have a business then you know this will be great because you're gonna you're gonna get a property you're gonna get rates which is gonna be historic lows anyway right mm-hmm. yeah um with the um with the you know the was it responsible lending laws being relaxed it means that you can borrow more really mm-hmm. i think that's how it, I, I see it i mean from a layman's point of view uh, you know, you'll be able to borrow more than you used to. Um, mm-hmm. But that said, you know, from a broker's perspective, I see another potential problem, which is the BID laws, which will come into effect next year. Mm-hmm. So best interest duties. So how does that apply to a broker? Um, it, it's still to be fleshed out. Uh, but obviously, you know, from uh, from the outset, I suppose you can call it, um, lenders um, and, and specialty lenders are just uh, are just lining up and waiting for this to happen. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we've said it time and time again, we're just simply going to have to wait to see what it actually looks like. Mm. Uh, it's all mm. speculation up until that point in time. Um, but, but, but speaking of the property, uh, I guess in Australia, you know, we've... 
in, in the past we've been probably put on the on the red side of the of the uh, global scale as to the most unaffordable city or particularly properties. <laughs> um, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad to say UBS has done a report where we are now uh, have tracked downwards into the amber. So we're, we're still overvalued, but yeah. only by 25 basis points. So we're almost back to fair value. So we're actually not that far off, quite interestingly. Um, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's uh. But so who's who's number one at the moment? Uh, number one is Munich, uh, followed oh, by Frankfurt go. and Toronto. Uh, Hong Kong obviously is up there. That you know you can get like a one meter square parcel for like I don't know a million dollars or something out there in Hong Kong. It's impossible to get property out that way. Uh, paying, uh, no, but, like, um, so, uh, on a segue because of giving the developments in Hong Kong that that might change. Yes, yes, absolutely. It could potentially change. You know, that's that's something quite interesting to look out for. That's a good point. Mm, I think um, I think the uh, it will go to Shanghai as the traditional financial hub of China. So, um, yeah. but yeah, let's 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 see how that plays out too in the next uh, decade. I suppose you call it that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'll, I'll just finish off on the market recap. I, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the presidential uh, debate in the US. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I have seen a lot of memes though. Oh gosh, you know, I tuned in at the right time where they were just buying at each other, and I thought, you know, mm-hmm. you probably should have swapped out the host for Jerry because I could just hear Jerry moments in the top of my head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an entertaining debate, but far from impressive. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that predicted a lot of the movement during the during the market this week, particularly in international mm-hmm. stake. Um, but you know, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride. We're back up on the rise again, back in the green so far as of this mm-hmm. morning. And AUD is just bouncing around between the 70 and 72 cents mark. So I'll leave it there for this week. Mate, thank you so much for coming back and, and giving us an awesome wrap again. No and um, guys, we'll, we'll chat to you guys next week. All the best. Thank you. Take care.